This episode of uh, Filling in the Gap is the 271st episode of 200 on private equity. And here uh, we've wrapped up our discussion of uh, pay-to-play rules, and now we're going to be uh, moving back uh, to business, so to speak. And uh, what are we going to be talking about here? Uh, Well, we're going to be... uh, talking about uh, how to use client funds to pay brokerage commissions for brokerage and research services that are higher than the lowest competitively available commission rate, right? Uh, So, uh, back to normal. Uh, So, one of this topic, uh, a money manager with authority to place brokerage orders uh, for an advisory client has a duty to obtain the best execution price uh, for uh, its advisory clients. When a money manager pays a commission on a brokerage transaction to a broker-dealer that provides services other than execution services, uh, the commissions paid may be higher than the commissions that would have otherwise been paid to another broker if the money manager had only requested uh, fewer services. Uh, This situation can create issues for money managers under the federal securities laws and FINRA regulations because money managers obtaining brokerage and research services uh, with client commissions do not have to purchase those services with their own funds. Uh, Well, what of this? Well, Section 28E uh, of the 1934 Exchange Act creates a safe harbor for these sticky situations. That provision uh, ensures that a money manager does not breach her or his fiduciary duties under state or federal law simply by paying brokerage commissions to a broker-dealer for affecting a securities transaction uh, in excess of the amount another broker-dealer might charge uh, if the manager determines in good faith uh, that the paid amount is reasonable in relation to the value of the brokerage and research services provided by the broker-dealer given uh, the transaction and the overall responsibilities for executing Uh, the deal. Uh, For private equity funds, uh, venture capital funds, uh, and investment banks, uh, compliance with this exception uh, is critical because otherwise, uh, if the entity is covered by the 1940 Investment Advisors Act, uh, the 1940 Investment Company Act, uh, or ARISA, uh, it may be in violation of one, uh, if not all three of these statutes, uh, by using client funds to pay uh, for research services. Uh, in making her or his uh, good faith determination, uh, a manager should consider the commission rate, uh, the value of the provided research, uh, the broker's execution capability, Uh, the broker's responsiveness, uh, and uh, the broker's financial uh, responsibility. Uh, The research here must be provided by the broker-dealer in effecting the trade. 
uh, a broker dealer provides the research, if she or he prepares the research, uh, if she or he is financially obligated to pay for the research, uh, or if she or he takes steps to ensure that the paid commissions are used only for eligible brokerage and research uh, by paying the research preparer directly, uh, by reviewing the service's description for red flags, uh, and uh, by uh, only uh, using client communications to pay for items that fall within uh, the statutory exemption, right? Uh, what else uh, uh, should uh, the uh, broker-dealer do here? Well, uh, she or he should develop and maintain procedures so that research payments are documented and paid on time. Uh, and... Oh, uh, I'll keep going. This, this will be the last thing I'll say. So, on the other hand, uh, a broker-dealer affects a trade uh, if she or he executes the trade, uh, clears the trade, uh, settles the trade, uh, takes resp financial responsibility for customer trades, and there's a motley other collection of things uh, that uh, can qualify uh, as creating a situation where a broker-dealer affects a trade, but I see that my five-minute uh, time marker has arrived. And that concludes this 271st episode of 200 on private equity. Not, of course, ruling at the possibility of yet more bonus sessions.